Gerald, is somebody behind me? I can't. I feel a little uneasy right now. No, you're good. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast, where we review the latest and sometimes greatest movies every week. We got a special treat for you this week. Gerald here with you, and on the other side is a dead, rotting corpse, my partner. Nicholas, how are you? I seriously feel really uneasy. Like, I feel like... I. No, I, no? trust me. Okay. You asked earlier. You're fine. There's nothing there. Oh, Gerald... Yes. All I hear is all I hear is just somebody singing so let the sunshine in. Gerald. <laughs> oh wow, you're in trouble then. Oh boy. When that song's playing, run, brother. Guys, I got to I right. got to I got to go. Oh man, you definitely should go. <laughs> Guys, this week, now look, patrons get in on the action. Whenever there's not a new release that Nick and I are discussing, we spin the roulette wheel, which we spun it last week and it landed on the patrons and we drew out Mr. Brett Parker's pick. Brett, we love you, brother. Thank you for being a supporter and a patron of the show. And he chose 2016's The Autopsy of Jane Doe, a film that Nick had never seen, but I saw when it came out, although I can't believe it's been like seven years, but it's been that long. I rewatched it today on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have young kids, guys. I had to try to figure out how to watch it and not um, have them see a fully naked woman's body on an on a autopsy table. So I watched it on my phone. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing this week. But before we talk about the autopsy of Jane Doe and get into the review, we always start out every episode with what we call one big question. You could ask yourself a question. I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? Number two, where is that music coming from? <laughs> let the sun shine in, brother. Just let it happen. All right. Nick, what question do the fans throw that we're going to pick out this week, man? Well, the one that I really liked the best, uh, so- <laughs> Sorry, Julio, not your question about, is this the Flash of IFC movies? Oh, God. <laughs> Brett from Dissect That Film hey. wants to know, Gerald. Love you, Brett. What's your favorite film that takes place in one location? I've got the obvious one, and then I've got a dark horse. Mm. But I want to know your answer first. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is 12 Angry Men. Is that 12 what you're Angry Men is the absolute obvious answer to this because it is a stone cold masterpiece. All right, let me, yes. let me, let me think then. Let me think. Um, oh, go ahead. You said you had another one, right? So my, go ahead my and give yours. My dark horse is a little film called Carnage from like 10, hmm. 11 years ago. It basically takes place in an apartment. Kate Winslet's in it. Carnage. John C. Riley's in it. Oh, I do know that. It's like a, it's a couple married couples or something. Yeah, it's two married couples and like their yeah, kids yeah. get into a fight at like the schoolyard or something like that. And then basically yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just in this apartment like literally the whole time. It's it's actually it's really, really great. I really, I really loved it based on the play. That's my dark horse. But yeah, the obvious answer to this is 12 Angry Men. I thought of another one, too, while you were talking. Uh, 12 Angry Men is is the top of the line. But how about uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane? How about okay. that one? Okay. Yeah, dude. In the bunker the whole yeah. time? Just like. Stress and anxiety, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, John Goodman. I mean, creepy you shit. You thought of that so, just because of Mary Elizabeth Winstead, didn't you? I think about her every 15 minutes, so it's possible. <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, that may be why, you're right. Uh, but yeah, you I think it. 12 Acre Men is like the 
Mount Rushmore, like number one spots, you know, but Legit, yeah, I, think I mean, I think that's ones. what anybody thinks of when they think of yeah. single location films. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. Stone Cold Masterpiece, such a good I agree. Movie. I agree. Well, Brett not only picked a movie this week, he also picked one big question for there us. Brett, go. this is your episode, brother. There you go, baby. Uh, let's get into the review for The Autopsy of Jane Doe, directed by Andre Orvidal. I probably fucked that up. I, I told I hope you I did before okay. we recorded, Orvidal. Orvidal. You just Andre, went, you, you let me pronounced run that again. it worse. You pronounced it worse <laughs> that time than you were doing it pre-show. You know what? I'm not going to run it again. Uh, print it. I mispronounced it. I'll probably do it a couple more times, so I'll just leave it in. <laughs> it stars Emil Hirsch and Brian Cox and a few others, but kind of like what we alluded to, it really takes place in one location and has very few characters in the movie, which I actually think kind of helped the film a little bit. But we'll get into that when we discuss it. However, we always give our score for any review up top out of 10. We have not discussed it with each other, and it's a segment we call the Early Score Reveal, Nick. Damn it! This always happens! I think I'm gonna score and then I never score! It's not fair! Okay, this music is driving me crazy. All right, let the sun shine in, buddy, or whatever your score is going to reflect. Uh, My wrists are starting to get sore, too. I don't... (laughs) Hey, your brain is alive and well, I'll tell you that much. I don't care how long you've been in that state. (laughs) All right. Here we go. Uh, you want to count us in or you want me to do it? What do you want to do? I'll I let you, ca- you do All right, it. All right, here we go. I, ha- I actually kind of struggle with the score a little bit. I'll explain that here in a second. But here we go. Our scores out of 10, guys. Three, two, one. This, Look is this, at this. No, we already did poor things, Gerald. Look at this. Seven out of 10 for me. Well, let's tell them How and then I'll I explain that. I rate a horror film higher than you? This is the totally killer all over again. 7 out of 10 here and an 8 out of 10 from Nick. Now, it was really close to being an 8 for me. It was so funny, guys, is we just did a patron review for Poor Things, and we had to use the same prop because not we had a enough, 7 and an 8 on that one, too. Let me guess. Not enough dumb no, garbage I, slasher right. murder killings no, and stupid no, no, no. nonsense. This is a really, really good film. Um, that you rated a thoughts. 7? Do you want to do... Um, <laughs> well, seven's a good score, isn't it? I mean, that's a good score. Sevens, um, sevens, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. If it's an eight, I loved it. But I liked it a lot. A seven wow. out of ten. Um, do you want to do spoilers, just whatever, or do you want to do a quick it came little out general? Like, it came out like eight years ago. I mean, I don't know how many people All have right, necessarily so we'll, seen it. We'll but. just uh, talk about the movie. Um, this will just be our review, guys. If you have not seen the autopsy of Jane Doe and you're interested in that, then do not listen to this review because we will most likely get into spoilers as we begin our discussion. So come back after you see the movie. This will be a spoiler field review this week. It's on Hulu if you're in the States. I don't know where it's it streaming is. internationally, but it's I, that's why I watched it as Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's also on Shudder for any horror fans out there. It's also on Tubi, Brad. Is it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure because I looked oh up a God, list of it? where I could find it. All right, let uh, me take I saw, it was, on, I saw then. it was on Tubi. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Seven's too high. Then hang on. <laughs> I can't do Tubi. Tubi will be upset that I, I gave one done of their a movies a seven. Of uh, this and Postocalypse, but you know, yeah, uh, you should have. All right. Well, let me explain myself then, Nick, to get the discussion started. Okay, because you're right. I'm absolutely shocked that you gave a horror movie a higher score than me. But I, I'm, honestly, gl- I'm glad you did, though. This movie loses me a little bit in the last act, in the last like 15 to 20 minutes. It kind of feels like, okay, so for the first 75% of this movie, there was a wonderful 
blend of ambiance, atmosphere, creepy like imagery, just kind of not really knowing what was lurking in the shadows and these weird sounds and the fucking jingle bell that they kept using, which I loved. Uh, a lot of really, really minimalistic, simplistic, horrific imagery, okay? And that happened for the majority of the film, which is why I love this movie so much. But then when we get to the last 20 minutes and stuff starts to kind of come out and be revealed to us and the story kind of starts, the bows start to get tied together on top of the package, it was a little too convenient and it was a... The best way I could put it was kind of underwhelming. Like, it, it, it didn't feel like this movie that I had been watching should have a Salem witchcraft trial tie-in. It just felt weird to me. I, I'm not saying I hated it, because I didn't. I mean, a seven's a good score. But it was just a strange way to end it. I don't, it wasn't the ending that I thought we were kind of leading up to. So that's the only, like, ding that I give the movie. But, I mean, I know you and Brad did The Last Voyage of the Demeter last year, which is the same director. He also did a film called Troll Hunter, which I'm a big fan of. I think this may have actually been his sophomore film, right after Troll Hunter. But the guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to create a really cool, like, horror, creepy atmosphere. And for that reason, I'm a fan of this movie, just for the simple fact of the way it looks, the way it feels. And I thought the score was really, like, horror-centric, which I love. Brian Cox is freaking an all-timer. I thought Emil Hirsch did really well here, too. So, I mean, I really like the movie. It just kind of lost me when we got to the fucking, you know, cloth reading and Bible excerpts and shit at the end. I don't know, it just kind of lost me, and I felt like it was a little too rushed at the end of the movie. That's my big gripe with it. You, it's your turn. <laughs> I'm ne you're never allowed to complain about the length of a movie ever again. It's your turn. Literally ever go, again. Go ahead. So what do you what, got? What, I'm not complaining. I'm just giving you my you know, opinion. I mean, you get you mad at me when I see my opinion. What did you expect to happen if I didn't if expect didn't her to be a witch from the Salem witchcraft trials? That's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't know. So what did you expect then? I, I'm curious, like if it let your expectations really down, what like what what would have made the ending of this better in your opinion? Then, well, now that's a or that's just a like whole... not not a Salem witch. Like, is is that literally all you're telling me? Is just not a Salem no, witch? I didn't dislike it, which I already said. I just it didn't, in my opinion, it didn't mesh with the vibe of the movie leading up to that. It didn't feel, I thought we were maybe going more sci-fi or like, I, I don't know. It just, and I'm talking about really when I watched it initially, because obviously I knew what happened when I watched it this time, because I'd already seen it. But when I watched it initially and trying to recollect those memories of seeing it, I just remember thinking like, oh, okay, they're doing this. That's cool. And I mean, it didn't like blow me away. You know, it wasn't like a reveal where I was like, oh my God, like, you know, like some of the other um, things that happened throughout the movie with different jump scares and that kind of stuff. Like it just, I don't know. I just, I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. You know, I'm okay I, with it. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. You want me to have an opinion? It's my opinion. I don't know what to tell you. I think that that reveal somehow uh, affecting your viewing of the end of the film is that's what strikes it as odd to me because it was a non-reveal to me like it was it was mm. just it, she could have very well been like a like a space alien or like literally mm. anything else and it probably would have gotten me to the same place because the the real 
genius of this film and and the real reason why everything about this film works so so much is that it, you you already mentioned it the way that Uverdahl creates that insanely tense creepy insanely good atmosphere and you mentioned cox you mentioned emil hirsch but like huge shout out to olwyn kelly the corpse on the table for literally the entire movie because i mean the way he uses the camera just constantly constantly shooting like she this like gaping maw expression of like a missing tongue and like all this different stuff it's Mm -hmm. so it's so affecting and so creepy and and, and so off-putting in Mm -hmm. terms of a film this is this is like creating like that great horror atmosphere I'm I'm just mystified that the reveal that it was a Salem witch trial thing or like that she was a witch like it, it affected this for you at all because it was just a not it, it blew right through for me like they could have not explained what what happened like they could have just left yeah. the explanation up to me and it would have been just as effective in my opinion yeah I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't effective I think that the movie really shined and no pun intended went above and beyond when it wasn't giving us information like and and i'm basically saying exactly what you're saying for the first two thirds of the movie because like those close up shots of her uh her eyes her mouth like it'll just be like that blank stare that she has with those creepy gray colored eyes and he'll hold on that for 5 10 seconds is very unsettling i mean the great thing is like it plays with expectation of the audience too, because you expect her to jump. You expect her to move at some point. Right. You expect her like at some point, like the, Oh, they're examining in her mouth or they're doing any other horror movie. Uh, like all of a sudden, Oh, biting down on the finger or like, you know, like reaching up and biting one of them or like attacking them or doing whatever else, you know, I even think of the sloth victim from seven, you know, when they're investigating his body and they find sloth and then he wakes up, you know, and, it takes you kind of at a jolt by surprise. Uh, But then on a rewatch, you're like, why didn't I see that coming? You know, but that's Fincher and he's a master, but I think this is masterfully done too. Wow. You're talking about hot takes. I I saw Mank and the Killer 2. I've seen, I've seen Mank and the Killer 2. All right. But let's, let's take, take that title away. Don't make me sick winners on you again. All right. He's, he's waiting inside. I can go get him. Zodiac still sucks, winners. But I think I agree with you for the most part until we get to that last act, because my point was not necessarily the Salem witch stuff, because I'm a huge fan of that era, and I study that era in history, and I think it's very interesting and tragic, really. It's a Would very you have tragic. just preferred nothing, then? Well, let me just tell you what I'm saying, though, real quick, because I want to try to explain what I mean here. Kind of like what you said, how you could insert anything, really. She could have been anything, and I think that's true. But the movie doesn't give us anything from a backstory perspective for the whole movie, really. And then all of a sudden, it starts getting thrown at us in the last, like, 10 minutes of the film. I love the very, very end of the film, like kind of the cliffhanger with the toe wiggling and uh, how they find the crime scene there, just like the one at the beginning of the movie. So we kind of get the idea, like she's causing havoc wherever she goes, and all these people end up dead. And like, like I loved all that shit, but it was just that little 10 minute segment where we just get so much information and expository, like explanation from Brian Cox's character and like 
You, does this make sense what I'm saying? Like it was a very ambiguous film until right. all of a sudden it's like, because here's it had to why all this shit happened. And fill in all the gaps that it thought the audience would want to know. Like it had to spoon feed kind of like the, okay, mm-hmm. but this is like, because it's almost, it's almost in, in, a, in the way that the film checks against that audience expectation of you expect the corpse on the table to move. You expect the corpse on the table to like bite, attack, whatever. And it never does the same way as in like, it kind of, plays too much into that audience expectation of knowing that there'll be too many people that will want an answer and stopping the film cold to like feed it to us as you're as you're as you're as you're alluding to i think i think they plant a few seeds of it earlier like the peat under the fingernails and the and the like Mm -hmm. the tattoos on the inside of the skin they find the little cloth fabric thing or whatever with the weird symbols on it like that's all like second act kind of stuff before all the really creepy stuff starts to happen and then they're running around and all the sensory all those different kind of things are all those different kind of things right. are going on i think i think it's in in a way it's it's unapologetically what it is i think it it just creates this insanely beautiful atmosphere mm-hmm. which is to say insanely dreadful atmosphere sure. that is it's like i'm not gonna lie to you guys like it's a it's a tough film to watch and it's not overly gory. It's not over. I mean, it's got an autopsy of a corpse in it, like whatever, but it's not an overly gory film. Right. Uh, Yeah. From a kills perspective, it's not like a Thanksgiving level bunch of nonsense where a woman gets cut in half, like by a dumpster. All right. Calm down. Not don't put nonsense and Thanksgiving in the same (laughs) sentence. All right. That that was a glorious (laughs) kill in a terrible movie. Yes, you're right. Uh Yeah, sure. I I think I, I I just, it's not over the top in terms of those like zanier horror elements that you might think of like gore splatter, whatever else. But I think, the most effective horror i think really really is about atmosphere i think it's sure. all about atmosphere and and that's one of the things like it's it's uh great to connect another dot for this director who also did the last voyage of the demeter which i really enjoyed as well mm-hmm. again that whole film that whole film was as successful as it was because that ship was a character unto itself in the film Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that film's successful unless that ship is as atmospheric and haunting and kind of dreadful as it is. Same thing with this film. I don't think that it's nearly as haunting and as arresting as it is without, I mean, a phenomenal corpse performance by sure. Owen Kelly. I mean, number one. And then number two, just every single shot being so intentional. That's why this film, like I love films like this that are 80, this was 86 minutes. It doesn't have to draw things out or anything like that. It, mm. It's it's very deliberate in the shots that it goes for. It knows exactly what it wants to do. And it's it's so, if you've never seen this, and I'm sorry that you're this far into the movie, into our review <laughs> of it, and we're ruining sure. it for you if that's the case. But yeah, check it out for sure. It's so, is it like it? And I don't know if that was your experience when you first watched it, but like, and, and I know you're the horror guy, mm-hmm. but this is, this was hard for me to watch. This was a tough watch for me, like to get through, like it's you that. You mean like cringing because of the autopsy stuff or? No, like it's, that, it's that creepy and unsettling. It, it, yeah. He's so successful in creating such a creepy, unsettling tone. I agree. That it's, it's, it's difficult for like, I'm not the horror person. So it's difficult for someone like me to sit there and just, you know, and and it's almost like playing on my expectations too much where I'm just like, just, just let the thing happen. So I can be okay. Just let the thing happen Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? And there was a point too that I thought was wonderful because um, 
in the mortuary there, like he creates that feeling of claustrophobia, like you're trapped too, uh, yep. much like he, much like he does in the Demeter as well. But, um, you know, there's a scene where early on where Emil Hirsch is going to leave with his girlfriend who has a small role. And they're going to go see a movie together and go on date night or whatever. And, you know, Brian Cox is like, yeah, you know, you guys go have fun. I'll take care of this Jane Doe or whatever. And right as he's about to literally leave that house, he says, I can't leave my dad. Come back and get me in a few hours. I'm going to go down and help him. And that's when everything kind of spirals out of control. And he, but, but what was wonderful there is that when you kind of think back on that specific moment, he was almost out of, of there. You know, he mm-hmm. was almost out of that kind of setting that was cursed in this movie because of Jane Doe. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't leave. And once he went back downstairs, he never left. He ended up dying there. Also, did you catch, I didn't catch this on the first watch, actually, but that horrible rainstorm and the flooding and the hurricane and everything that kind of kept him there and the power went out and all that shit, that didn't happen. Did you catch that? The witch, uh, like, orchestrated that because I didn't catch it on the first watch, but when I watched it today, uh, there was, like, a news report of how it's another sunny day in the 70s, and, like, they had multiple strings of sunshine, and there hasn't been rain. The the announcer mentions that there hasn't been rain in X number of days. So I'm like, what? So then I, like, started reading reviews and stuff, and I guess part of the – Part of Jane Doe's thing is that she can control what you see, which is also why the father ends up killing the girlfriend of the axe because he thought he saw one of the corpses. Yeah, it definitely plays into a lot of. Did you catch that though? Or no? I didn't catch that at all. No, that's a yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's insane. Like that's just kind of goes to the levels of well, like even still, even with like the even with the cops showing up at the end, like I guess that was he imagined that too. Like, I guess a lot of it was just kind of right. illusionary, like where he 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 imagined the cops were outside, like trying to let him in, open the door and right, whatever. Yeah. And like he's trying to open it and it's still it's still it's still sealed shut and everything like that. I was really mm-hmm. I was I was kind of wondering if the witch would honor the uh, the, you know, Brian Cox's character sacrifice in terms of like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, what does that have? Like, he gives kind of his life energy to her or whatever or something like that i'm not 100 percent sure after seeing it a couple times i mean i don't know i'd have to really dive into some breakdowns and stuff but i think what i what i think and then i kind of see what you think because it happened with the family in the in the beginning of the movie or whatever it was but there was several dead bodies there she was in the dirt beneath the house Um, and then we have the scene that we get here with the girlfriend emile hirsch brian cox another three bodies so Brian Cox's soul essentially was sacrificed for her to kind of regenerate. But I think, I think what the way I understand it is that she was thought to be a witch in Salem in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't a witch. But instead of no burning, <laughs> right, instead of burning her at the stake or whatever they did to suspected witches, they tortured her and performed experiments on her and raped her and all this other stuff, horrible stuff. Yeah. That ended up turning her into a witch. Yeah. Who now for eternity can't is immortal, basically. Uh, but she has to be dead. So she can experience everything in her brain and mentally, but she can't physically experience anything. 
and then, so in other words, every soul that she takes, like she did Brian Cox's, makes her a little more alive. So that's why her toe wiggles at the end, because she's that much closer. She just needs a couple more souls <laughs> before she can wake up. You know what I mean? Uh, that's kind of what I, on my second viewing, I really started kind of thinking about like what, cause this, uh, that's another reason why, and I mean, uh, you know, seven's not a horrible score, obviously, but that's another reason why it gets a knock for me because it's a bit of a brain teaser. Like the first time I saw it, I was just kind of like confused as to how it all tied in, but you do gain a respect for a movie like this. The more time, the more times that you see it, I would imagine. I mean, I've only seen it twice, but oh. I, I definitely walked away from it today, having seen it again, with a little more appreciation for it. Masterclass in in creating a tense horror atmosphere. I mean, you know what? I I really think he, that this film could have been even better. Remove Emil Hirsch's character from it altogether. Just oh, have wow. it be one person. Like, I, and I think that's why you put a second character in that position because maybe that like I had trouble watching this movie with two people in that room. Imagine mm -hmm. if it's only one person. Yeah, then you feel their anxiety. I think yeah. it would be even worse. I think maybe maybe they added the second character to this because it would have been legitimately this would have been that movie where I know they like every once in a while like a horror movie will come out. It's like oh, audience members were throwing up in the aisles because it's so scary, which literally never happens ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. somebody, if somebody had the flu at the screening and just happened to get sick, what about, what about those stories? What about those stories of women giving birth, uh, during the exorcist <laughs> going into labor? That's not real either. They shouldn't have gone to the movies when they were nine <laughs> months pregnant, probably. Yeah. I think I'm in agreement with you, Nick, that it is a tense atmospheric at times hard to watch. I agree with you. Um, and I actually, th I'm thinking on your single person um plot be too, device it'd there, be too it, scary that be, would be terrifying it'd be too if scary you're by yourself in that setting uh, let's talk about the performances brian cox what do you think man just a stoic stellar he, he, he's so good like he he immediately gives that that vibe of the master like who knows it all who's seen it all who's done it all and like somebody who really cares about his craft and his profession really really love that performance i really really loved Emil Hirsch's Austin kind of bringing in the more emotional side of it, like not just wanting to determine the cause of death, but also kind of wanting to try to investigate, like get a little bit into that kind of investigative sort of thing. I think one thing you could pos possibly knock the film for as well would be like, why? Like, I mean, I get like all the supernatural stuff's happening and all this weird stuff, but like, I don't know, like I thought maybe Brian Cox's character could have clung to his beliefs a little bit, a little bit longer, maybe. Mm hmm. Like to where he was, he was skepticism, you mean? the skepticism. Yeah. The skepticism yeah. of like, he, like he's very clinical. He's very clinical. He only cares about finding, determining the cause of death. You know, like the, right. the rest of it, the emotion of it, the, the, the crime of it or whatever doesn't matter necessarily. But I mean, the, the film's got to film, like it's got to get to some point eventually. And right. we can't have like an endless con conflict between those characters in that sense would have probably also felt a little forced. So I'm, you know, I'm not knocking the film for it one way or the other, I guess, necessarily, but I don't do know. You, uh, do you think the mother killed herself? I don't think they ever say specifically. They kind of allude to her sadness and how he couldn't do anything to help her. But I don't know. I mean, it could have been cancer. It could be, I don't know. It could have been anything. Do you, what do you, I, I, I got the impression 
on this second watch that maybe she killed herself. I didn't read anything into that, uh, to be uh, 100% honest. I was probably far more concerned about the pale, you know, corpse on the table that I was very certain was going to spring to life at any point. I think, honestly, I think this is a much easier film to rewatch knowing that the corpse doesn't move. Yeah. Because then it allows you to focus on all the other details going like you caught all this other stuff on a second watch mm-hmm. i'm willing to bet you this is a second watch kind of film where yeah once you know because i was dude i'm literally like sitting here crapping my pants she's gonna buy waiting him or, for this thing yeah. to come alive i'm like and part of me is just like just bring this thing to life already i i need i need that corpse to do something so that we can move on with the movie. I think once you know, like rewatching this movie, I think it's probably as rewarding because then you know the corpse isn't moving and you're looking at everything else that's going on in the frame. Right. Another reason this lost at least a point for me is the cat. How the fuck are you going to do that to my boy Stanley? The cat. You know what? <laughs> I'm not this review. I'm bumping my, about I'm bumping my score up to 10. Put your glasses back on. I'm pumping my score up to 10 despite you. Stay in the character at all times on this show, goddammit. That's right. Glasses, guys. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was, uh, it was a touching moment, though, with Brian Cox and the cat. And he said it was the last thing he had of, you know, of his wife's left. And uh, I, th- I thought that was a touching moment there. But in all seriousness, like, this was not a movie that was really concerned a whole lot about, like, emotional character connection. Because even with the father-son, like, you obviously could tell that Brian Cox wanted the best for his kid, and he loved him, and all that kind of stuff. And the kid was obviously doing this line of work in an effort to somewhat, you know, please his dad and impress him. So well, you kind of got like those third, general... Third generation, I think, right? Right. Yeah, they mentioned that, too. So... Here's uh, a question for you. Yeah. Ditch Emma's character from the film entirely. Because I will posit to you... Who? I will posit Did to you? you the girlfriend, Emma. Oh, uh-huh. I will posit to you the girlfriend is only in the film for the scene in which she dies. Because it's the only other character that they establish besides the sheriff. It's the only other character that they establish in the film. The only thing I would say is I'm going to go back to what I said before, because I think it was a super, super impactful when you're reflecting on the movie after you've seen it, that he was not going to be there initially because he was leaving with her for date night. So I think having her character there to reflect on, man, he was that close to getting out of the hell that he had to live through. I think that's somewhat important too, only as a reflectory piece to think about, you know, not necessarily in the moment. It doesn't really matter. I mean, they could have written anything in there. He went to the bathroom and then came back and the, the Jane Doe was there and they did, you know what I mean? Like it didn't have to be in there, but I just think it's an interesting piece. And also because yes, you're right. She gets killed later with the figment of the imagination, the whole thing. But in that initial scene, he told her to come back. So then he has that guilt. I told her to come back because I told her to come back. Now she's dead. You know, that whole thing. But there's not a, there's no kills in this movie, really, aside from the two of them at the end, which is interesting for a horror movie, too. Kind of going off of what you said, that it's not really, there's not a ton of emotional depth to these characters or anything. Mm-hmm. I think you have to swing one way or the other 
either further emotionally develop and, and invest us in them or to, or just or just issue it entirely like we don't need it and i i really think that that character feels extraordinarily ancillary knowing True. that i mean really the only reason they establish the relationship between emma and austin is so that she can come back halfway in the movie and get an axe in her face that's true, and um, but she did that. That was a really cool scene with the dad and and her uh, with the bell on the ankle. Um, which, by the way, talk about plot device and sound design and the fucking jingling of that bell. Yeah, super uh, when creepy. They were in, when they were in the office, super creepy. And I didn't, you know, on the first watch, they're explaining what the bells, why the bells there, and like whatever. And I'm not thinking to myself, oh, this is gonna come back up later and it did and it was like i remember the first time i saw that i was like is that the fucking bell from the guy's ankle was there a horror scene in this movie that you would take away as like that was your favorite scene of the film just the atmosphere i mean the atmosphere yeah, that's true it is atmosphere very... is what creates great horror in my opinion it's not i mean the the, the slashy like the thanksgiving like dumpster cut in half like super gory blood splatter fest kills are fun to me but they do not a good movie make uh, a good movie to me like a good horror atmosphere it doesn't need it you can mm-hmm. really really set the tension with, with with the camera i mean really really just making you as an audience member feel ill at ease just by what's happening on the screen or maybe even the lack of what's happening on the screen, which is a lot of the case in this film. I think I just, I, I think it's, the, it's that atmosphere. It's that tension. That's what you have to take away from this. You could swap in other actors in these roles. You could, you could do a lot of other different things. I think largely a lot of the pieces aside, this is still going to be the same movie because of the way it's mm-hmm. shot, because of how atmospheric it is. And I mean, the way that he uses the lighting to his effect, like the lighting going out or the lighting flickering, things like that, like the lighting, like yeah. the generator lights not being able to cast enough light. So it's very dark looking down the hallway. And the, and you can only see like a sound design of something, the, the sound, sound design, design of the bell and, you know, things like that, just like random thuds and random noises in other and those rooms. fluorescent like bulb, like humming and yeah. stuff like that. All like, that stuff, all that yeah. stuff is, is, is that's what makes really, really, truly great horror, in my opinion is really setting that amazing amazing atmosphere uh, so that's that's why i really that's why i mean honestly i, I just I, I really enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i was going to and i really enjoyed it more than i do a lot of horror movies i'm glasses guy after all i mean you're our glasses guy what are you gonna do i mean it is atmospheric i agree with you and uh my favorite horror scene aside from the the bell scene with the feet appearing in front of the um, cracking the doorway at the bottom and they hear the bell coming that that's probably it for me in terms of like just tension building but i also loved in the early stages of kind of shit hitting the fan emil hirsch is in the hallway and he sees a person in the reflect in the mirror, like yeah, mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good scene too and he's like what the fuck is that and then the lights are flickering like you said and he turns the corner and there's nobody there Mm-hmm. You know, the person in the mirror is not there anymore. Like that, that kind of shit, you know, because your mind plays tricks on you in different situations and you put yourself in that situation. Like if you're, you know, this is a mortuary, obviously, but if you're in like a creepy hotel or like you think you see something out of the corner of your eye and that, that kind of shit fucks with me. So I thought it was done really well, really believable, realistic. Yeah. Um, so that would probably be my my two favorites to take away from this. You know, and wrapping up, I mean, 
I didn't like in the last act how they just kind of threw all the information on the wall. Uh, Salem witch trials, this, that, this, that. It was a lot to take in on my first viewing, and I just kind of didn't get get it. Like, I didn't really get it all. On the second watch, it made a lot more sense. I kind of started tying stuff together a little bit, and I told Nick about a couple things I noticed this time that I didn't notice the first time that are really cool. This is the kind of movie I feel like, if you rewatch it, Every few years or whatever, you introduce it to friends of yours that have never seen it. You're probably going to take something away from it each time. It seems like that kind of movie that has those nice little Easter eggs kind of built into it to build a nice little puzzle uh, based on your watches of it. So it's a great flick if you are a fan of horror or even like thrillers. Like I mentioned Seven earlier, this borrows a lot from that type of film, in my opinion, like you know, there's an autopsy scene in Seven. There's uh, obviously the crime scenes are kind of shot similarly. So those types of like thriller, crime thriller movies. And if you're a horror fan, like it kind of speaks to different demographics of people that enjoy different types of films. Uh, kind of like what Nick said, it does get kind of hard to watch at times. And I mean, there's this dead body on the table being, you know, having an autopsy performed on her the whole movie pretty much. So. Uh, there's organs being thrown out and, you know, stuff being put into blood vestibules and everything else. So you have to be ready to see all that stuff. But if you're into it, I say give it a go. Uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, seven for me. Any uh, final thoughts from you, buddy, before we wrap up? It's great. Watch it. Eight out of ten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just I I I don't think I th- I think like I said, the 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 reveal at the the Salem witch thing at the ending it, it could have been anything, and I would have I would have it would have it would have been the same ride for me. I don't think honestly you need it. I think they could have issued it entirely, but uh, nevertheless, I mean the atmosphere in this film alone is worth the price of admission. Did you like the toe wiggling at the end? Not we like in a Tar- we, we not like most- in a Tarantino way, but like in a Nick way. We have we haven't had like a sequel to it or anything like that. I wonder if there's no. ever like plans to do any kind of sequel or anything like this. Here's the thing that you can't make this movie again. You got to give her more powers and like have her be up and walking around and stuff like that. Well, a lot of people were saying maybe an origin story. So I guess that would be her in Salem, maybe. I don't know, but that might maybe. be a hard watch too. <laughs> She'd be tortured the whole time. Um, I don't know. So I don't know, but yeah. Uh, all right, there you go. Autopsy of Jane Doe it was the review this week, the Retro Roulette Review. Guys, I'll throw a little link down below here for you if you're watching on video, and it'll also be in the show notes if you're listening on audio. But if you want to join us over on Patreon for as little as $1, you can throw a movie into the hat just like this one, and we will draw movies out of the hat, and we'll review them on the main show. We do the damn thing here, Nick. We just talk about it on the regular week. Who cares? Brett is the man. And he's a patron who threw out Autopsy of Jane Doe. Brett, thank you so much for the suggestion. I was glad to revisit it. And obviously, Nick enjoyed it, too. So that's great. Thank you, uh, everybody who picks good movies. Not not Brad. Not Postocalypse. Not not Brad Hargis. Thank you, everyone, but Brad Hargis. (laughs) All right, uh, Nick, what are we doing next week, man? So, oh, by the way, let's just give the... So it was a 7 from me and an 8 from you. So it's a 7.5. From the peas cumulatively on the autopsy of Get Jane Doe from 2016. So go check it out. It's on Hulu. It's on Shutter. Uh, give it a go. 
Nick, next week we are going to be looking at Matthew Vaughn's Argyle. Have you seen the trailer for this thing? Speaking of cats. I've seen the trailer for this movie literally a thousand times. I'm I was going to say, so it's played before every movie. the trailer for this movie, to be 100% honest. <laughs> you can't be, because Dua Leap is in it, so you're good. It's, I you mean, can't get tired of seeing Henry, that. Henry Cavill and John Cena are in it. That's, that's for me. That's Henry that's... Cavill in a fucking box cut. He looks like, uh, what's the guy from Fox Sports? The fucking... What's the guy that's on the uh, Fox Sports? Howie Terry Long? Is that who you're, yeah, he looks like Howie Long to? in this movie. Yeah, he looks like Howie Long. No? That's a, that's a weird poll, my guy, but okay. <laughs> All right. Sure, sure, sure. I don't know. I had a couple beers. So <laughs> go see Howie Long in Argyle next week, and then we'll get together and talk about it. Uh, Nick, until then, um, I will be performing in an autopsy on you. I want to find out what the cause of your uh, awesomeness is. I'm gonna, gonna to look dig. into it. You gotta have to dig I'm, deep, buddy. I'm gonna look into I it. I was, I was, uh, I was hung or burned at the stake for believing the Earth was round back in like, you know, Copernicus times or something like that. <laughs> I'm sure you or, were, or could... in 2024. But, you know, one I'd of, see one that of movie, the two. Though. Hey, one I would watch two. that movie though. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> All right, guys, look for the Argyle review next week and all kinds of other stuff on the uh, YouTube channel and everything getting ready for the Golden Peas, which are coming up. They'll be on February 19th with our boy Brian Loisos. Make sure you check the show notes to vote in the Golden Peas as voting ends this week as we're recording. Nick, I love you, man. I'll see you next week. We'll talk about Argyle.